Good morning. For about the last uh, well, the last couple of years, I'm going to encourage you to. Uh, I have found a wonderful pattern of getting into the Psalms by reading the Psalm of the Day. Uh, now today's the 21st. Uh, I'll read Psalm 21, and then you add 30. Then you read Psalm 51, add 30, Psalm 81. You just keep adding 30 and you will end up reading five Psalms a day throughout the whole month. And then you start over. But it is such a thorough washing in the word. And often, amazingly enough, 30 Psalms after what you just read, you'll hear a similar theme. And often it's something that God wants to speak to our hearts personally. So I, I really enjoy that pattern. It's been a, a, a great mainstay for me, and especially in this series of looking at the Psalms. Ah, wow, it's been an amazing summer. It's been a long summer. It's been a long time since we've had our ABF together. Well, as Janet said, we're going to continue to look through the Psalms <clears throat> And what's on my heart today is to share not technically from the Psalms, but it is prophesied there. So I want you to turn first to Psalm 45. Psalm 45, verse Okay, while you're turning there, there's a white sheet on all of your tables that has uh, for your name, email address, and phone number. Uh, we'd like to have that, that if there's any changes or any extra things that we can contact you throughout the week. So please fill out all that information so that we can connect with you easy to make announcements of changes or anything like that. All right, Psalm 45, verse 17. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. When people remember and are reminded of God's nature, his character, his person, his authority, his goodness, everything that's about God, when they can know Him more intimately, the natural result is praising Him. I like that Bill led us in a great song about praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. That was the closing stanza of the song this morning. Praise is the natural result of our coming, becoming more intimate with the Lord. The other verse I want to share is Psalms 89. Becoming his praises forever. Jesus said in John 4, The Father is looking for true worshipers who worship him in spirit and truth. He's still looking throughout the earth today. Psalms 89 verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. In 1980, I began to discover the true meaning of what it is 
to be a genuine disciple. I thought I had known what a disciple was. I thought that everyone that believed in Jesus was automatically a disciple. But in 1980, everything started to shift. I came to the Lord in 1972, so I had been about seven and a half years. But I also learned not only what a real disciple is, I also learned how to be able to make investments into the lives of other people so that they too could become disciples. So with that revelation, in 1980, two and a half years later, in 1982, I moved to Jerusalem, Israel. And this has been my kingdom assignment for over 40 years. I want our generation. David talks about to all generations. Well, this is our generation. I want our generation to see the true ministry that Jesus entrusted to us by his example for three years. In Israel, I saw that a person's personality and leadership gift often opened the door to spiritual leadership. And many I saw throughout the land that were in responsible spiritual positions without adequate character development. You know what the result was? Many church splits. My mission, then and still is, to help believers become disciples. I love the church. I love the church. I love the bride of Christ. With all of her faults and all of her flaws, I love the church. Jesus loves his church. Psalm 69.9 says, Zeal for your house has consumed me. I can relate to that. Let's all turn to the last command that Jesus gave his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. Let's all turn there. I hope that week after week you will bring Bibles and a notepad. I want to encourage you to take notes. I know that as we age, our memory, well, yeah, our memory is not what it used to be. So taking notes can help us remember. All right, Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, as I again sound the shofar, I pray you'd give us, you'd give us the privilege of hearing something from your heart today. Jesus, this was your primary ministry next to your time alone with the Father. Was your time with those men that started as followers, but they became true disciples. 
And Lord, this was your last command. I pray it would become our first priority. So I pray you'd help us today as we look into your word and behold wonderful things that are in your heart for us today. Father, I just simply pray that we'd have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And God, transform our wills to obey your word. Amen. Well, notice that Jesus did not say go and make converts. He did not say go and make Christians. No, Jesus made it very clear. I want you to go and make disciples. Now, we need to define what, what is a disciple. I thought I knew what a disciple was. Hmm. Yeah. I had my first seven years that I really didn't know. I thought I did. A disciple. Well, it's defined both in Greek and Hebrew as a learner. A learner. Someone who is teachable and disciplined, implying spiritual discipline. So let me ask you today, are you teachable? How well do you take correction or reproof? A disciple chooses to follow and obey the master with one goal, becoming just like him. So let me ask you today, is that your main goal in life? That's the goal of a true disciple. His aim in life is to become just like Jesus, to be so transformed and conformed into his image. That's the life mission. Today, many believers call themselves disciples of Jesus when they're actually just followers. Now, personally, I see a difference between a follower and a disciple. The Bible tells us that multitudes follow Jesus, but only a small percentage of the followers became true disciples. Followers want what Jesus can do for them. Save them, bless them, comfort them, help them, heal them, provide for them. The men that Jesus called to himself, they all began as followers. That was the first thing he said in Matthew. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Disciples aren't born, they're made. We're all followers in the beginning. But those followers began to grow in maturity as they became genuine disciples of the Master. Disciples love the Scriptures. They honor the Lord. They live a life of abandoned surrender to His purposes for their lives. To disciples, Jesus is Savior, and He is supremely Lord. 
He's Lord. Many believers will embrace Jesus as Savior, but there's a resistance to absolute surrender, which is the life of a disciple. He's Lord of all. Being a disciple is defined biblically in its terms of maximum expression, not in its minimum requirements. You know, there's an old expression, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. What is discipleship? Well, it's not a course that we go through. It's not a limited church program. Discipleship is a permanent lifestyle that we develop as we mature spiritually. It is an ever-learning process. We cultivate a close relationship with the Lord and we long to be closer. For me, it's been 50 years. This past July 16th, I celebrated 50 years of knowing Jesus personally. But I only had 42 years of being a disciple. My first seven, I was a follower. Needy all the time. On the receiving end all the time. And then I began to start having a switch in transformation. In 1980, as I shared earlier. We're all called to disciple others. To make divine, eternal investments into others. So that they too can know Jesus and know his word. A disciple wants to impart the truth to others. He or she loves the Lord so much that they want others to know him as they do. Friends, the truth is, we are living in the days of cancel culture. We are living in the days of resistance. You heard the story about Eva's daughter, Michelle. She's just obeying the law and finding attack. Cancel culture is all around us, but God has placed us in an eternal kingdom which can never be shaken or canceled, ever. We are his kingdom ambassadors. And we are all called to be disciples, to move from following to genuine disciples that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. That's the Great Commission. And what a strong command he has given us. Our culture today is growing increasingly hostile toward God and toward his people. Jesus forewarned us that this would happen and our entire summer, this entire summer, had our combined ABF focused on this subject of the resistance that our culture is giving the church, God, and his people. Jesus wants to prepare his people for rejection and persecution. And we are not ready. We're not ready. He said in John 15, 18, he said, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So through spiritual disciplines in looking to become his disciple and then make investments into others, the Holy Spirit builds the word of God into our lives, which enables us to stand in an evil day. 
We need to develop an intimate relationship with the Lord. Beyond what we already know, there's always more to know of God. Always. And we need to learn how to walk in consistent forgiveness and the love that only He can empower us to love the unlovable, even those that hate us. So we discipline ourselves first in prayer, in reading and studying the scriptures. Then that discipline develops into desire. We want to spend more time with the Lord. And then the desire grows into delight. We want to spend more time with the Lord. We love to hear from Him. We cherish His Word. We're listening for His voice all throughout the day. Our prayers become much more powerful and effective. We find that it's easier to talk to God throughout the day, submitting this, submitting that situation. Not in a religious way, but in a relational way. Our lives so revolve around Him, not ourselves, not our job, not our family, not things, not vacation, or anything of this world. And we naturally want to give away everything that the Lord has given us. We want to make eternal investments into people's lives. So we share together what we see in the Word, what God is teaching us, what we're learning, how He's correcting me, how He's inspiring me, how He's building me up. And we pray for and with others. We share the love of God with them. We show them acceptance even when they feel rejected. We end up actually sharing and living the love of God in a small group environment. Making disciples is not only for pastors and leaders. All of us are called to be disciples of Jesus. And we're all called to make disciples who make disciples. And we naturally, naturally then, will be transformed more into his likeness and image. So how does it work? Well, it's pretty simple. It starts out with one person wanting to make divine investment or spiritual investment and have relationships spiritually, let's just say, with one other person. Now, I normally, we look to encourage gender distinction. In other words, guys with guys and girls with girls. But I'm going to have my first choice. And I'm going to violate that. I'm going to take this one. I'm still taking this one. And we're together. And we have times together. We pray together. We look in the scriptures together. We share our hearts together. This would have been a guy, but I share everything with her. After a year of living life together, of walking with each other in the word and in prayer and in relationship, now, the next year, we want to do the same. We want to give away what God has been giving us. So we want to be receiving, and now we also want to be giving. We want to be a vessel. So now we go and each of us get another person.
It's, it's this simple. It's this simple. Now, we have this next year. And we're investing. And we're sharing. And we're building each other up. We're learning how to pray more effectively. We're seeing answers to prayer. And after a full year, now the four of us go, all right, let's go get somebody else. Now, praise the Lord. We have three years of making disciples and we have eight people. Awesome is right. What great disciples. You can be seated. Listen, it always starts small. But it has limitless potential. Because if us eight who were up here would continue in faithfulness of investing, this is just one. One One-on-one. If we did this for 10 continuous years, just 10. That's not asking a lifetime. 10 years of faithfulness. We would have 1,024 disciples. That's a big church. And it's a growing disciple church. It's not just followers. These are real disciples. And they're learning what it is to not only receive, but to give. So they're becoming vessels of receiving and giving. They're not just cisterns where I receive, me, give me more, give me more. They're not cisterns, they're vessels. In 33 years of faithful disciple making, now we're moving it, getting closer to a generation of about 40 years, 33 years, and this is just one with one. If everyone is faithful, this is the word that we want to hear the Lord say to us. Well done, good Anne. Faithful servant. Faithful disciple making, doing what Jesus did for the three years on earth, investing into someone else, being available. The total would be 4,294,000,000 disciples. Let that sink in. 4.3 billion. And then you just add another six months. Six months. 33 and a half years. The total would be over 7 billion disciples in the earth. Wow. How many years did Jesus live on the earth? About 33 and a half. God wants you to see from his perspective. If the church had ever been faithful on making disciples, the planet earth would look totally different. You know, statistically, statistically, this means that within one generation, The entire population of the world could not just be converted, but could become discipled. Potentially, statistically. 
You know who the greatest evangelists are? The best disciples. Because they're growing in love with the Lord. And when you're growing in love, it's easy to talk about the object of your love. When I got engaged to Janet in South Africa, when I went back to Jerusalem, that was almost all I talked about was that little youth pastor that I met in South Africa. My friends would say, okay, Reuben, can you change the subject? That's all you talk about. Well, it's easy to talk about that which captures your heart. And God wants to recapture our hearts in a greater way. He wants us to be so in love with him that somebody bumps us and out comes Jesus. That's discipleship. That's being conformed and transformed into the image of the master. Friends, disciple making, hear this today. It is the key to global evangelization. And we've missed it as a church capital C. Jesus did not have an alternative plan. He showed us, he demonstrated three years investing into a small group of people that they can do likewise. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in humility and strong in obedience. The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There are four generations. Paul to Timothy. Timothy to faithful men. Faithful men to others. Four generations of disciple making. That's what he was commissioning Timothy. So it's not surprising then that one of the greatest attacks against the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years has been in the area of intentional disciple-making. And since it is among the top priorities for God, that was the chief ministry of Jesus among people. It's also a top priority for Satan to resist. He knows that this is Jesus' strategy to win the world. You saw it statistically. Imagine what would happen if you went out and got groups of three or four or five. The time would be shortened. And the ward would be everlasting. He's going to do everything, the enemy, everything he can to prevent this from happening. So here we are. 2,000 years since the redemption plan was initiated. And the world is far, far from being one to the Lord Jesus. Because most Christians are not making disciples. They've heard about the Great Commission, yet somehow, some way, there's an excuse not to obey it. We have endless amounts of programs and this and activities, but this is the main thing. It was the main ministry Jesus did among men. It was the main thing. He couldn't make it any clearer. The famous missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, he wrote, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command 
to be obeyed. And instead of growing into mature, tall trees of righteousness, as mentioned in Isaiah 61.3, many believers often grow up crooked and bent because they have failed. They have not had someone to teach them, to show them how to walk in righteousness, to answer their questions, to show them how to pray effectively, to have a prayer partner to agree with them. No one's walked alongside them to show them how to really live the life and be held accountable and how to apply God's written word to me that I become the word made flesh. I become more like Jesus. Jesus' last command in Matthew's gospel was to disciple others just as he did. They all knew what he meant when he said, you go. I've got all the authority. I've got it all. In all heaven and in earth. I'm the one who's inspiring you. You can go in my strength. You can go with my blessing. You can go in obedience and do the same that I've done to you. I've made personal investments into your lives. I tell you today, that command is still in effect today. His last command. It should be our first priority. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray, oh God, forgive us for not understanding about this great commission. Uh, I've even heard people, and you know, Lord, it's, it's often interpreted as evangelism. Uh, uh, Lord, it's, it's not really evangelism. It, it helps your church come into a greater realms of sanctification, a greater accountability, greater transparency, greater life, greater joy, greater praise, all the fruit that comes out of greater intimacy in knowing you and walking with you. Lord, forgive us for not understanding that this great commission is for all of us, not just the pastors. And Lord, I pray you'd forgive us today for not obeying it. Lord, today I pray for grace. I pray for wisdom. I pray for courage. Oh God, I pray for obedience regarding your last command. And oh God, I pray you'd help us to make it our top priority. Jesus, it was yours. Next to your time alone with the Father, it was those men. And Lord, I pray that you'd bring forth kingdom fruit as a result of this message this morning. And I pray that our personal response would bless your heart. I pray this to the glory of God expressed in the name, the nature, the person, the character, and the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen. Tuesday. 
September 6th, in the chapel, we're going to pick back up with intergenerational disciple-making. At our last staff retreat, last September, Pastor John, in our, all the entire staff retreat, in one of the times of sharing, he said, what really blesses my heart is the intergenerational discipleship where young adults and senior adults are gathering together to learn of God together. I tell you, it was so humbling to hear that. I thank God we had about 30 senior adults and about 30 uh, young adults. We started with about 40 of each, and then it kind of dwindled, and that happens. But I'll tell you, that last night of walking 18 months through the Sermon on the Mount, the testimonies that came forward were so powerful. So powerful. That was the highlight of the entire year and a half. And I believe that the Lord wants to create such a testimony in us, such a witness to obedience, that yes, Lord, I took your great commission and I look to walk in it as obedient as I could. So we start up again, Tuesday nights. But everyone who's interested, you have to email or call Janet. Or write on your attendance sheet. You can also make a note there. <clears throat> the sign-up sign sheet. I'm done. Your turn. Okay. So this is the book we're going to use, The Making of a Disciple, a study of Matthew 5. And Reuben and I wrote this material when we were living in Haifa, Israel, because there was no discipleship material in Israel. And uh, there, there are other materials here in America, but this is what the Lord keeps saying. This is what I disciple my men with when I first start making disciples. This is good material, the whole Sermon on the Mount to make disciples with. So I have some here. We sell these for $10. So all the proceeds go to discipling village pastors in Southern Africa, the ministry that Tonic and Frost is connected with. So you get to support that ministry at the same time you get to be in an intergenerational discipleship group. Let me tell you a story from South Africa. There was a game park that the elephants began to multiply too quickly. And the game rangers got together and said, what are we gonna do about this problem? And they decided they would move all the older elephants into a different game park so that the younger ones could grow up in the one they're in and the older ones could take kind of over the other one. They separated them. And about a year or two later, the young elephants were tearing down fences, knocking over cars that were driving through the game park. They were going wild. They were fighting with each other. And so they called in a specialist and they said, what's happening here? Why are the elephants going so crazy? Why are they doing so many destructive things? And um, and the, the experts said, well, where are the older elephants? And they said, well, we moved them. They're over here in this other game park. He said, bring them back. It's the older ones to show the younger ones how to live. You know, and often after we, we reach this age, we, we don't continue to invest in the younger generations. But like the scriptures that Reuben read, to all generations, I'll make your name known. And this is a given opportunity for you to come in, be a part of what we're doing on Tuesday nights, and make disciples of younger generations. And they, these are some of our people, they help disciple us too because we're all growing. And if you think to yourself, okay, I've been through that book. I don't need to do that again. 
Reuben and I have gone through this at least 10 times. And every time we do, the Lord convicts us of other things. We learn other things. There are different truths we need to apply to our lives because we've changed in the meantime. Plus, you're in a different small group, and their insights and what they share is fresh and new, too. So you grow together as a group. So I, on Wednesday nights, that's another really good Bible study. The women are separate from the men, and they meet at tables like this, and they share at tables. What we do is we divide actually into rooms so that you have privacy and you have quiet. You can hear each other. You can pray with each other. So we start in the chapel at 630. Usually one of us will teach. Sometimes we'll have someone else teach. And then we divide up for the second hour. We go into separate small groups all over the annex, which is the building next to the office, and all over the chapel. And we have our small group time, and we're and praying. And we all, we all grow in the Lord together. So please pray about this. I know you can't do everything. I know Highland offers a million things for you to do every week. And we all can't do everything. But ask the Lord, where does he want you? Does he want you on Tuesday nights with us? Does he want you on Wednesday nights in that Bible study? Does he want you on Thursday nights in the soul care ministry, which is very important, very effective ministry? Or does he want you just having your own little Bible study or prayer group in your own home and you're not associated with any of the things that are happening here on campus? Whatever you do, obey the Lord. And um, let's be right in the center of what the Holy Spirit's doing now. I want to close with one more quick story. This happened years ago, and you may have heard me say it, but it was at the turn of the year into the year 2000. And there were spiritual leaders in Russia, in, not in Russia, in Asia, Europe, and Africa that all got together in Brussels, Belgium. And they decided to meet and seek the Lord together, 300 of them, to find out what is the Holy Spirit saying for the next season, for the next millennia, for the next decade. It was right as the year was going to turn 2000. And so as they got together, they were all talking and sharing what they think it might be and what is the Lord saying to you, and they're just kind of talking. And one of the moderators got up and said, you know what, let's all separate. Let's go to our separate hotel rooms for 24 hours. And let's just seek the Lord. Let's fast. Let's don't talk to each other. Let's seek him and let's hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And then we'll come back and we'll all share. So when they came back the next day, one of the moderators went around with a microphone and he said, what did the Holy Spirit say to you? What did the Holy Spirit say to you? And every person to a man said the word discipleship. And so the Asian leader, David Wong, got up and he said, the Holy Spirit is making it clear to us that in the next season and beyond, for as long as the Holy Spirit is saying this, we need to be making disciples. The times coming will be so hard that people that are not discipled are not going to make it. The church is going to suffer terribly if the church is not discipled and is not actively discipling others. And so that's been a driving word for us. We, we heard that 20 years ago. And we know the Holy Spirit is still saying, make disciples. He's saying it to other ministries. He's saying it in other churches. This is not just a word for Highland, but right now it is a word for Highland, that in every area from the preschool on up, there's a strong focus on disciple making. So let's all be a part of that. If you want to get one of these books today, I have about six with me. Otherwise, you, I'll bring some more next week. And also, the following Tuesday, when we start, nine days from today, 
you can get them that night. What so impressed us, um, <clears throat> one of the men in South Africa was at that conference, and he, he just started breaking down and crying. He had never been in a gathering where people had all heard the same word. Either was making disciples or discipleship, but that was unanimous. And, and the moderator even said, please don't piggyback on the next person. You're under God's observation right now. What did he tell you? And when he heard that every one of the participants heard that, that was the word of the Lord for Y2K. And we all remember that Y2K. That was the word of the Lord for the next millennia. So we're looking to walk in that word. We pray that you'd want to walk with us in this. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday.